Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Above the Fold with the Ag Communicators Network, a podcast for the latest headlines and conversations in ag media. I'm Holly Spengler, editor of Prairie Farmer and executive editor at Farm Progress. Today's episode is brought to you by Wiffles Hybrids. Today is our last episode in the series, The Future of Print Media and Agriculture. And this one was a treat. I got to have a golf cart chat with Greg Horsmeyer, Editor-in-Chief at DTN Progressive Farmer. It was kind of like a fireside chat, except it was in a golf cart at the Farm Progress Show. Because we are two editors who had some stuff to do, and we got her done, and then we settled into a golf cart to talk about the future of our business. When we first started talking about this series, um, Greg Horsmeyer was the guy I wanted to talk to. I got to know Greg probably 10 years ago when we served together on the AAEA board, and I really respect his opinions and the way he leads his team of editors. So I was not surprised in the least that this conversation yielded some ideas about our business and long form journalism and kind of a tangent, (laughs) what it means when our readers don't want to be challenged. But here is my conversation with Greg Horsemeyer on what could be next in the future of print media and agriculture. Well, it's great to be back with the podcast with Greg Horsmeyer here at the Farm Progress Show of all places. Greg, thanks for doing this. Oh, not a problem. Got to be here anyway. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so to set the scene, we are sitting at the edge of the Farm Progress Show in a golf cart, having well, completed day one. Day one's in the bag. A beautiful day. 80 degrees. Nice north breeze. Survived, really? survived all bad. your editorial duties yep, got, for the day. Got around. I've got a brand new employee that I was showing around today, so that was me fun. too. That That's exciting. Cool. <laughs> That's cool. It's good to have some new blood in. Yes. So. And who was yours? Uh, Jason Jenkins. We just hired him as a crops writer. I so. saw him go past yep, went yep. earlier, and I thought I don't know him. And yep. He's gone. Brand new. Just brought him on board. So Fantastic. Today is day two. Fantastic. That's he needs to talk to Betty Haynes because she just started with Prairie Farmer yesterday. (laughs) He said the same thing. Welcome. Here's the fire. (laughs) Well, it's a good way to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a great place to gather everything that's going on new. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was curious, like, as we've had these conversations of what in the world is the future of print in agriculture going to look like, um, I've asked everybody, well, what's your first memory of a farm magazine? <laughs> well, that's an interesting one for me. If you'll remember back in way back, well, you won't remember because you weren't <laughs> even born yet because I was just a little little boy, but the state farm magazines, Missouri Ruralist, Prairie mm-hmm. Farmer, they were all tabloids, yes. big tabloid news yep. magazine, newspaper style magazine. Mm-hmm. My grandmother used to take those and fold them over big metal hangers and use them as pants hangers when <laughs> my grandfather was done reading the magazine. Sure. And my That's job, some recycling. That is recycling. She was a scrubby Dutch woman. She's German <laughs> all the way. And my first job was with her was getting the magazines, finding the centerfold, putting them over the pants hanger. And while I was doing that, I was like six, seven. I could read, but, you know, barely. Uh, I started looking at the magazines and looking at the pictures and thinking about the stories that were in there and the things that my grandfather talked about that he'd read in the magazines and so that really was my introduction to farm magazines was folding pants with my grandmother that's fantastic (laughs) that is like a depression era sort of like grandma isn't it right absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah. no she was definitely a child of the depression and so you know that really there were always farm magazines in the house uh, a couple of other folks have said that 
uh, growing up. So when I got older enough to drive a tractor and really, you know, as most young farm boys, really interested in things that were going on in agriculture, farm magazines were always, you know, in the house. Um, what was the latest thing? What was the latest gadget somebody built? All that kind of stuff that, mm-hmm. that farm magazines have covered for all those years um, were part of my growing up. Yeah. yeah. And did you read them and think, like, I could have a job there? Because I did not. <laughs> no, not not originally. I mean, I was always interested in magazines, uh, probably younger than I should have been reading. <laughs> and I don't mean those kind of magazines, but I mean reading the looks and the lifes and the esquires and all my my family were were pretty voracious readers and they always had magazines in the in the house. And so we were so I remember like when Bobby Kennedy got shot. I remember that Life magazine coming in with the image on the cover. Um, all of those crazy things that happened and uh, the land moon landing and all those things that happened in the 60s and 70s and that was all told through magazines so I was always interested in magazines I was always a big reader of magazines never thought that I would ever be involved in the industry until I went to college uh, got involved in journalism because I was a credit shy of a college level (laughs) English course and I was in FFA and I was in the band and I was in a bunch of other things and the only English course I could fit into my schedule as a last semester senior going out the door was a journalism course, the newspaper, the high school newspaper. And so did that, quickly became editor of that, the back part of that semester, and kind of fell in love with journalism and walked away from a free ride pre-law scholarship and went to J school. My mother's never forgiven me. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that was a fun phone call to make. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At one point, I had to call home and say, hey, remember how I said I was going to college to be a doctor in pre-med? Yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I think I want to do this ag communications thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, lucked out right out of college and, you know, went to work for the Missouri Ruralist. Actually, that magazine that I used to hang over the pants hangers, so cool. um, that was my first job out of college. Yeah, That's so been cool. been blessed ever since. With yeah. Larry Harper? With Larry Harper, yeah. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. And then where did you go from Missouri Ruralist? So I did a stint in the PR world for a little bit, tried that. Mm-hmm. Really wasn't my thing. Uh, went back to magazines, eventually landed at Farm Journal. Um, went back to the University of Missouri for a while and ran the news office there. Thought that I was going to stay there uh, and get an advanced degree and do some. I did some teaching while I was there, but just, you know, mm-hmm. filling in and that kind of thing. I thought yeah. maybe college would be the rest of my career um and then god rest her soul marcia taylor called me one day and said you need to come up to dtn and take a look at what's going on up here and and i resisted for weeks and finally <laughs> she made me do it so that's, that's awesome. the, the rest is history yeah. that's awesome and so you know we've had all these conversations and about okay so what's the future of of print going to look like in in agriculture and i feel like we've been prognosticating about that for years right, right, right. like yeah. I mean, I've been at this 25-ish years. It, it seems like from the beginning there's been talk of, okay, how much longer? Can print survive? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. What's, what's your answer to that? That's a, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I can see farm magazines for the next five years. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I really don't know. You know, I mm-hmm. think that would be sort of my, my quick take on it. Um, and the bottom line is, and I think uh, Bill Spiegel talked about this when you talked to him, you know, postage costs, mailing, co- ma- mailing costs and paper costs are just really becoming um, uh, prohibitive in terms of, of 
getting a product out there. They're just more expensive all the time. On the other hand, there is that constant pull. I mean, as several of your guests, I think, have talked about, farm magazines are still have a major place in the farmstead. Um, you don't walk into a farm office that you don't see a stack somewhere. Uh, and so I think as a medium of getting information out there, uh, I, think, I think that will continue. My, my question has always been, who's going to be the first one you know, of, of our companies to right. go, okay, we're going digital. We're going to shut this thing down. Right. And I, you know, when my folks ask me about that, when my company asks about that, I'm, I still, I still wonder when this is going to bounce back a little bit. I think digital information is certainly, you know, revolutionized the industry. It's revolutionized what you and I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and our ability to get information out to farmers immediately and, you know, I can remember working at a magazine when I was on a monthly magazine and six months, six weeks rather down the road, somebody would finally get my intelligent, whatever intelligent prose I had to pass on. <laughs> and, you know, it would take six weeks to get to them. Now it can take six seconds, you know, yeah. to get to them. And that is so powerful and so cool. On the other hand, I still feel that at some point um, there's going to be a bit of, uh, of an interest in deeper issues, the kinds of long-form things that only a magazine can do. Yeah. I don't know if photography, the way we did it when I was you know, first in the industry, is ever going to come back in a big way, but I don't know that it won't um, in terms of the photo books and the big picture packages and things like that. Um, because I think what I'm waiting for, really, what I, as I thought about this podcast, what I'm waiting for is for the digital folks today, the 20s and 30s and maybe even 40-somethings, when are they going to age in to wanting to read a farm magazine again, you know? Because I don't know that everybody read farm magazines when they were in their 20s and their 30s, but we've always had a big slug of farmers that were in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s, and they've been huge readers of farm magazines. So will the 20-somethings today still want to read a farm magazine down the road? I think it's a, a really big question. Which is kind of Lindsay Kennedy's point. Like her college students are saying, "Hey, I, I want to, I want to print this thing and I want to read that." Yeah, absolutely. And I, I talk to farm, you know, parents my age who come up to me and go, "Ah, we can't get our kids to read. We can't get our kids." So my really my worry about the the, the future of print and really the future of ag journalism is not when will people start reading farm magazines again, but when will people start reading again and yeah. start really you know, going to school on their businesses and the information that you provide and we provide. Um, because I think not reading is the bigger concern to me than not reading farm magazines. Yeah. Yeah. That if you can get them back to that, then they can get them back into a magazine. Yeah. I had a mother come up to me at a farm meeting, spent a couple of years ago. She's been a long time DTN customer. So they're, they're, they were news geeks. They're always reading what's going on in the world, get all the farm magazines. And she said, I just can't get my son to read. He just doesn't show any interest. And I said, that's because you and your husband do, and he doesn't have to. You want him to read? Don't tell him what's going on. Make him figure it out on his own. You know? yeah. and, and so I think that I think there will be some of that. Still, postage costs, paper costs, you know, I think are always a big concern um, for print mm-hmm. in general. So yeah. I wonder sometimes, you know, we think about, okay, paper and postage costs and, you know, sort of the nail that the pandemic has tried to <laughs> hammer in to our business in terms of, you know, some of those costs. And yet, 
think the other thing we've seen come out of the pandemic is just people are tired of looking at screens. Yeah. That, that, Hopefully, that's, right? <laughs> exactly. That's where I see that maybe people sort of aging in to the print business. I mean, I know I'm reading more publications than I've read in a long time. I kind of went through that period where every I, everything I did was on my iPad. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going back uh, again. I've never liked read, And I hear a lot of people say they don't like reading books uh, on Mm-hmm. You know, on a, a screen, on a device. Yeah. Um, I mean, you and I are a little bit, but we're not alone in, in the screen time that we have mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, I am tired of looking at a screen because I look at it all day long. The more and more farmers do that, the more I still see a place to settle down on the couch, you know, with an adult beverage and a magazine and or a cup of coffee or whatever mm-hmm. and figure out what's going on in the world. Um, I think the challenge to us, and I, you've talked about this to some of the earth with your, some of your other guests is, how do you get that information to be attractive and to, to catch or capture them mm-hmm. and, and get them to, to, you know, suck them into reading on it? Yeah. You mentioned, like, maybe there'd be more of a place for long-form journalism in print, kind of a, I don't even know what a good example of that would be, but any of those kind of national major magazines um, outside of ag. How do you see that happening? Well, I don't know how much of this is hope and how much of it's reality, to be honest. Right. I mean, that's my favorite, you know, form of, of journalism. I, I grew up reading, like I said, magazines like Esquire and uh, The New Yorker was around. And, you know, those kinds of long-form, deep stories get way into the, somebody's life or way into somebody's business. Um, and the inter- both the entertainment value as well as the information value that's part of that. I hope that that comes back and stay and, or stays around and then eventually comes back. Um, I, I honestly don't know how much of that is hope and how much of that is, right. uh, you know, the fact that I like to do that because I'm a journalist. But will the average farmer do that? You know, will they want to read that? Will they want to read that? Yeah. And and what is that? I mean, I think that's the other thing is what what do you have to do? What do we need to do to to tell that story not in a way that we grew up doing it reading it liking it but what's what does that new format look like what is what what's the way that you tell that story um i still think that interesting people make interesting stories and if you can you know bring interesting people into the piece it's always valuable um and you can you can do that so much better in a print publication than, than you can. I mean, I, we can do long-form journalism digitally. I don't know how many people sit and read a 3,000, 4,000-word piece, you know, right. uh, on a screen. I mean, I I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in the business. So. Right. It's got to be really it's compelling. It's got to be really compelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has to be It has to be something that is, yeah, that I need to know to survive, you know, in my right. business or whatever. And, and farm businesses, um, I don't know how much of that. Um, they need they need you know pretty quick and dirty information usually, uh, but they still like to read about other farmers. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you know the things that you do um, that that tell stories and that bring people into those stories. I think there's I think there'll be a future for that. Is there a future for all of us? I don't know. Yeah, I did a really informal poll, right? So so informal, just um, on Facebook, right? Of asking, hey, why do you read? magazines farm magazines you know asking specifically specifically of my farmer friends mm-hmm. why do you read in farm magazines and over and over they said i read it for the stories about other people mm-hmm. the human touch the human twist on whatever it is and i just think that's so <laughs> compelling right like we can still tell a number story through a through the perspective of a person's experience 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think, and that's that's the trick is is weaving the critical information, the critical business information, or markets information, or agronomy information that you need, and and mixing that with the person that's providing that and mm-hmm. helping everybody figure everything out. I mean, I think if we've learned anything from the digital world, it's that farmers are really enjoying the chance to get to know one another. Yeah. You know, that's if that's that's what the, that's what social media yeah. has brought to agriculture is I don't just have to know the people I go to church with or that I see in the coffee shop. I get to meet people all over the planet, you know, as a farmer. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can capture capture that, I think mm-hmm. we can do some stories. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, people, we're people who like a community. And, and whether that's online or whether that's, you know, you think back of some of the old, those old days of Missouri Ruralists and any of those, you know, magazines back then, it was a community that showed up in your mailbox every week or two weeks or month or whatever it was, you know, of columnists and cartoons and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You you learned to be part of that tribe, part of that community uh, by participating in the information that's there. And we can duplicate that to some extent digitally. Um, it's, it's a colder medium, so it just doesn't come across quite as well. Although, I mean, people would argue some of the stuff you see on YouTube now and the bloggers and the vloggers, you know, they're bringing some of that in through a digital medium. And I think that's that's a new new way to tell stories and a new way to, to do things but but yeah i think i think the the warmer touch of the magazine itself is is still away mm-hmm. do you see you know the bloggers and the vloggers and all that kind of stuff and the farm influencers or for that's not a great word but you know who kind of that person how do you see that fitting into what we do or is that a competitor at all or i, I think it, I, they, I mean they are a competitor for time there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that I don't know that they're a competitor for the kind of information that we bring around journalistically, but they're certainly a competitor for time. And a farmer only has so much time in the day to listen to something or read something or watch something or whatever. Right. And so that that's a bit of a concern. Um, you know, my big worry there is really more back to that sort of surrounding yourself with those who are just like you. I think one of the big dangers we have as journalists, not just as print journalists or digital journalists, that goes back to that, how do you break into the person who's sort of surrounded themselves with the vloggers they agree with, the informational pieces that they agree with, and they just you know, kind of have their little, their little world around them and nothing can penetrate that. I think that's, that's the big challenge that I see as an editor, whenever we work on, um, big packages, um, especially if it's something that's, um, that has two sides of a political story to it (laughs) is how do we get both sides to read that? Um, you know, I mean, let's be honest. If the headline has Biden in it, Mm-hmm. How many people did you just instantly turn off because they're right. not going to read anything like right. that? Um, that's a that's a huge challenge. So back to your question about the the, the vloggers and the bloggers. I think they tell a story. Um, I think this, some of the, the family stuff that's being done and a lot of the the wife, the, especially you know the mommy bloggers, right. mommy vloggers. Right. I think there's always going. I think there's a place for that. I think that's really cool. I think it's creating that community. I suspect that will wane as time goes on. That's one of those mm-hmm. hot things right now, and, and maybe it sort of slows down a little bit. Mm-hmm. It also, I talk to some of those people, and, and you know, you and I know this because we live it, but it's one thing to do one of those things for six months or a year or two years, 
But when you start getting into year five and year seven and year eight, it suddenly becomes a job. And I watch right. it in these YouTubers yes. that that they're they did it for a couple of years and now, oh my God, it's a job. And then it's right. not fun anymore. Right. Where we get up every day and we know it's a job and that's what we do. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. right. The paycheck helps. It's a paycheck helps. <laughs> the paycheck helps. Yeah. That's interesting though though about like how do you get people to to read and listen and think when it's not something that they agree with, yeah. especially politically. Yeah. And I say this as somebody who I wrote a column in July and kind of trying to point out, you know, in Illinois, we live in a democratic majority state, right? So if you want to get things done as, let's say, a commodity organization or a farm organization, you're going to have to work with the folks in power. Yeah. <laughs> in our case, would be Democrats. And so I was pointing out some things that, you know, some of these Democrats, elected um, officials have done for agriculture, right? And said, you know, maybe if you want something done, you lead with that <laughs> when you ask. And and I just got a letter before I came here of a, please cancel my subscription to your liberal newspaper. Wow. Right. Yeah, you know, we <laughs> yeah, we've actually dealt with that. Uh, there was a period of time there when people were going to cancel their subscription to our print publication because it's called The Progressive Farmer. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, we literally got phone calls. <laughs> if you all don't change the name of that, I'm going to cancel my... Oh. Yeah, and it's like... And, and I, how many years Progressive Farmer's been around? 137. Right, yeah, you know. right. Um, uh, and, you know, the progressive part goes back to the getting out of reconstruction and slavery and the Jim Crow laws and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that, that thing that we're dealing with right now, um, in terms of the political dichotomy, uh, and polarization is tough. And so I, I worry about that and the escapism that the vloggers bring unintentionally sort of combining into something that I can pay attention to what's if I'm a farmer I can pay attention to what's going on in agriculture and I never have to be challenged I can listen to all the people that I want to listen to and and I don't have to be challenged in my thinking and I whenever I do get those phone calls like the progressive farmer that's my conversation it's like really do you want to go through life never thinking am I right about this what about the other side of this there are other people that think differently maybe I should understand how they think and sometimes you win that and sometimes they just hang up, you know. <laughs> that feels that feels like what I've experienced as well. Yeah. I've got a handful of letters that were like, Thank you for, you know, somewhere landing in the middle or a moderate voice of whatever yeah. um, which have gratefully outnumbered the cancel my subscription <laughs> letters. But you're right, and sometimes they wouldn't engage and sometimes they don't. Yeah, that's it's that it's that worry about not engagement that I think is the problem. But I, you know, your point, and I think this is something we need to continue to do, is to remind our readers that they are part of a greater cosmos. I mean, you can't just live in X County, Iowa, and and survive today. You've got to know what's going on in the rest of the world. I mean, look at Ukraine and everything else that's going on right now. So, you know, I'm hoping that we can continue to peck away at that that insulation and eventually crack some of that some of that open yeah for sure you said earlier something you know that let's say we have five years left for print magazines and that's certainly not a crystal ball right but just you know just a number maybe what what does it look like after that you know let's say we do go to where we're publishing digitally how does that how do you how do you see that I think our challenge there is going to be to to tell the deeper stories to the the kinds of packages and things that you can do in print that are so hard to do digitally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the biggest adjustment that any of us who have spent our entire career in magazine journalism, especially, but print, but magazine specifically is 
I can't do a sidebar anymore. I mean, you know, we, <laughs> <I> know. <Yes. laughs> you know, you can't yes. do that core piece and surround it with all those other pieces that that mm-hmm. sort of bring it all together. Yeah. That's impossible. I mean, yeah, you can put links in your stories, but do people follow the links right. or whatever? Right. Um, it's a lot harder to guide them. So, I mean, what I worry about is if if and when we do go totally digital, and I, and I still think you know, even five years from now, there will still be magazines out there. Um, somebody's going to get it right. Somebody's going to figure out, is it time of publishing? Is it, what is it about the print magazine that I need to do for agriculture today? Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that we really struggle with. When I go back and look at, and I, in college, I did this quite a bit. I studied the history of ag magazines. And when you looked at how they changed as they went from being really the only publication that the family got it was, you know, you got right. the Prairie Farmer or you got right. the Missouri Ruralist and that was your whole, so everything was in there and all the advertising that was in there, refrigerators and cars yes. and right. cigarettes and the whole nine yards. Civil War and, updates. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everything came through that, that vocal piece. Yeah. And I think that digitally we can do that again. Digitally we can supply a farmer with that, and and the reason I'm interested in this is because of the demise of the local newspapers. Yeah. I mean, you know, you see the, the small there's dailies, nothing. and there's just they're just rags. Mm-hmm. It's just it's such, it's so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the staffs are struggling, you know, right. to, to keep somebody there that actually went to a journalism school and knows how to do that stuff. Um, and it's tough, um, but I can see the digital world supplementing that and providing that bigger picture. Um, and then the question is, so then what is the magazine? What, what is the magazine, if it still exists, what does that bring to the reader? Um, is that even bigger, bigger long-form journal? Is it, you know, six and eight and ten-page stories? Um, I think if we try to turn magazines into a print form of digital, I think that's a failure. Because why, mm-hmm. why would I pick up a magazine to read what I can read digitally and could have gotten a month earlier? You know, the magazine has got to be something deeper. Uh, and maybe it's some of these political things. Maybe it's more educational. Um, that's a kind of writing that I think as journalists we all have to think about is sort of the educational side of that. Um, not just giving everybody this side and that side, but helping them figure out what, the, you know, where we're going and what the important things are. That makes a lot of ner- journalists nervous, you know, mm-hmm. when we start doing more opinionated more we think this is the way things should be mm-hmm. this is that that makes us all nervous mm-hmm. but it seems to be what our readers are asking for they don't they don't want to sort through it all they want to be guided they yeah. want they want a guided tour they don't want just thrown out onto the beach and said go have fun and it's going to be tricky yeah it's be, we're, we're gonna we're gonna make some big mistakes and we're gonna some people you know are gonna do some things that aren't gonna set well and I've seen some really cool long-form journalism things online. Like the New York Times has told really interesting stories, you know, where it just blows up that screen. You know what I mean? The ads disappear. The timelines show up. You know, things that you can click through. Pictures are, you know, scrolling and moving. And and, and just, just an, an incredible mind, right, has figured out how to tell that that way. Our websites don't look like that. Right? Like we have a news hole among the ads because we're trade publications. So how does all this work with advertisers? Yeah, that's a, that's a 
really tough one. How do you how do you continue to make the revenue that you need right. to make to do some of the fun things? So it turns that you out do. we're a business. Yeah, turns out <laughs> turns out yeah the paychecks have to come from somewhere. Yeah, and it turns out that agriculture is a low margin business. Yeah, um, you know I might be willing to pay a couple of hundred dollars a year to get the Wall Street Journal or the New Yorker mm-hmm. or whatever, but farmers don't see the value in that so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one we've always struggled with in, in agriculture journalism is that, well, we did it to ourselves. We gave these damn magazines away for decades and decades and decades. You want the magazine? Sign on this piece of paper and we'll send it to you. Uh-huh. And we've learned that they get stuff for free. And, you know, I mean, even some of our advertisers have been in the business of educating farmers and mm-hmm. such sort of competing with us a little bit in terms of the things mm-hmm. that we do. That's always been a little bit of a, you know, an icky uh, touchy situation. Um, and yeah, it, it, I mean, trying to show that value is going to be the tough part, but you're right. There's so many things in, in interactively that you can do digitally with video and the way you can tell stories. Um, but it's, it's pricey. It's expensive. Yeah. yeah. And the journalists that do it will be expensive. They, exactly. Yeah. It's not your average right. Joe that's going to figure that stuff out. Yeah. And then the coders and the yeah. website builders and all that kind of stuff. I think I, I hope that that stuff will begin to move into our worlds. I mean, I think we'll, uh, but we've got yeah, we've got to figure out how to pay for it. And I mean, you know, where I'm at, DTN, we have a subscription model um, that pays a big part of the freight. Mm-hmm. Advertising is important, but it's not the biggest piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we're an outlier there, and I, you know, without giving away too many secrets, it's tough right. to be an outlier. I mean, right. it's you know, trying to convince farmers constantly that that yearly subscription and that rather expensive monthly subscription is worth it. You know, you're constantly having to prove the value of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and we've got to come up with some snazzier ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think back to the days, I, I want to say not that long ago. It was at least 20 years ago, right? <laughs> there was, <laughs> That's not that long ago. Somebody from Successful Farming was actually on our farm selling a magazine subscription. You know? Well, that hasn't happened. Yeah. Like, we don't do that. We don't do any kind of business that way anymore no and that's a little bit of we've lost some of that um community um i mean you said it earlier perfectly um back when my grandparents were farming and my parents were farming um the magazine itself was part of the family it was something that was that came into your into your sphere of influence the salesperson who were, was part of that mm-hmm. was part of that. It was usually somebody locally that sold it, and you mm-hmm. kind of knew that person. Yep. And now we've lost that piece of it. We haven't found a way to sort of bring that sense of community back. Right. Well, under a certain degree, it's the editors. But that's still not somebody in your community. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that one's still a, a tough one. I mean, it still happens. You still run into farmers here at the farm show, right. and you're you recognize them and you talk to them, and, and that's wonderful. Um, but we got to have a lot of them. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, and some of that too, I think, is people like that idea of connecting with whoever wrote this or whoever put out the magazine. We run into people all the time who say, "Oh yeah, we read whatever." Yep. Like they, but they like that personal touch. Like we had a news, an email newsletter years ago that came out and had my signature at the bottom and photo and all that. And, and the number of times I had a farmer say to me, Hey, I got your email. <laughs> and I was like, yep. What? I sent it just to you. Well, and, and after the first couple of times I caught on, right. At first I was like, wait, what did I? Uh, oh yeah, I did. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they no, love but, that though. Well, you're right though, but that's part of that community. And I think that's, 
talking about the vloggers being our competition. I mean, I think that's probably where they are our biggest competition is they have usurped a little bit of that. They've, mm-hmm. they've become a celebrity and a star. Mm-hmm. And not that any of us got in this business to be celebrities nope. or right. stars. But, but there is part of that that is part of having your face in a magazine every month or on a digital mm-hmm. page every day. And, um, yeah, I think we've got to kind of figure that thing out and, and um, uh, connect with people a little bit better. I think we can learn from the vloggers that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. What's the secret there, then? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, the secret is, A, speaking their language. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the, if there's anything we've learned from the vloggers, it's you got to be able to speak the language. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to come from agriculture, but that means you better figure it out, you yeah. know, um, for, for new ag journalists. Um, I think it's also uh, being approachable and figuring out whatever that means for you. Um, you know, I mean, I got into print journalism because there was no way that I want to do this, talk through a microphone. <laughs> right, no, right. I, that wasn't what I got in this business to do. No, but you. I pretty quickly figured out that I was going to have to do some of that. I was going to be asked to speak. I was going to, you know, ask to do some of the things that you had to do. Oh, FFA helped with that, you know, some of our backgrounds. Yep. But, but the, the new folks that are coming on, um, that maybe didn't come up the way we came up uh, are going to have to yeah, work on that and, yeah. and learn to be comfortable in those shoes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I always joke that I, I became a farm writer and not a farm broadcaster for a reason, and it's because of a microphone. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I mean, it's, it is cool to be able to do the multi-platform kinds of things that we can do today. Yeah. I mean, I can honestly say it's revolutionized and re-energized my career mm-hmm. um, to be able to podcasts and print and and audio and video and all the things we do mm-hmm. um you know you use the right medium to get the right message across mm-hmm. absolutely so greg parting thoughts future of print and agriculture well i hope that five-year scenario plays out i hope that it's even longer than that i hope that some folks figure it out and keep it alive there's such a history of journalism and ag journalism. If you look at trade publications, and I've looked at jobs in other trade industries, and, and agriculture is unique in the kinds of magazines and the kinds of venues that we've had. And it's because of that community. It's because it goes all the way back to when those farm magazines were the only thing that came in the door before TV and radio. It was the thing that connected farmers to the outside world. I think we've got to remember that, and we've got to keep that alive. We've got to keep mm-hmm. that sense of community alive. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Greg, thank you so much. It's been fun sitting here on the side of the Farm Progress Show. We've seen rangers go by. We've seen horses go by. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen seen all stripes. (laughs) State police are behind us directing traffic. It's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much, and thanks for doing this for the industry. You this bet. is really cool. This is I've been listening to these, and it's a it's a wonderful service, and I know it's part of everything else you got to do. So yep, thank absolutely, you. Absolutely, but it's a lot of fun. Yep. It's been a good it's been good conversations to have. So thank you, friends. I sure hope you enjoyed this final episode of our series, the future of print media and agriculture. I've thought a lot about what Greg has said about our business and what it might look like in five years and whether our readers want to read long-form print journalism and, and how they really do seem to want someone to help them figure all this out, even though that's a little uncomfortable to us as journalists who just want to present the information. I hope this whole series has been helpful to you and mostly that it's helped you think through what might be next for you and what this might look like. Um, for your job, no matter what part of the industry you're in. Please let me know if you have questions or ideas for future conversations. We, we want to have them. 
this is it for me for a few episodes. I'm going to hand it off now to Kelsey Litchfield next for her series on getting the right gear. And as always, we are grateful to Wiffles Hybrids for sponsoring this conversation. I'm Holly Spangler. Thanks for listening to this episode of Above the Fold with the Ag Communicators Network.